Good morning. It is uh, it's wonderful to be with you again. We uh, it's our last Sunday with you. Oh, <laughs> that's that's from us anyway. <laughs> it's been uh, absolute joy and delight, really, to be uh, with this with your our community. Really does feel like our community, and uh, we've been on this journey uh, for a number of years in the Gold Coast with Brad and uh, Farah, and now with Naomi, and now with Ben and Jess, and Mel and Edith. It's been wonderful to be kind of journeying through and seeing what God is doing. And, and honestly, from Shemaine and I, we are, we're so excited for what God is doing. You have, honestly, some of the best worship we've been uh, experiencing and, and offering to the Lord. Obviously, it's not about worship. It's about delighting Him. And, uh, but I, I, and, and just the church, the season you're in with the with the new captain, um, and I, we just really are excited. I feel like God is going to, uh, you're going to start getting traction. I do know there's been a bit of marking time in this, in this process of finding the way forward, but I do feel like there's going to be real traction. Uh, I feel like God's going to add, I think, quite quickly to your number, especially after this morning's message. Um, <laughs> that's the faith I have in God's Word. Amen? Because, you know, it's, it's not about Ben and Jess. It's about you. It's about us together. And uh, it, the crazy thing is in churches, people expect the shepherd to be bearing and giving birth to sheep. Now, if you've ever seen that happen, <laughs> that would be very weird. The thing is, sheep get sheep. And uh, the shepherd is to lead the sheep. But uh, somehow we've got this warped thing in our mind that it's the shepherd who's got to do all the running around, jumping through all the hoops and loops. It's up to the pastor to grow the church. No, no, it's up to you. Amen? And so uh, I want to speak this morning. Just uh, Ben and Jess know they were with us in, in South Africa just a, a month or two ago. Um, I've been carrying more recently just a real, um, sorry, let me just get my clock on. I've been carrying a real uh, urgency in my spirit. I guess the only way to describe it. And uh, the strange thing is, <laughs> when I got, uh, came into the kingdom in the late 70s and uh, early 80s, the, the preaching about the end times was prevalent. It was everywhere. Every other book that was written, most of them were inaccurate, but uh, they were still being written about the end times. And it's amazed me over the last number of decades, I don't know, I can't, I can't recall any hearing anyone preach about the end times. It's like it was and now it isn't. And yet if, if you read the New Testament, every single New Testament writer in some way or another is referencing and living with the very real reality that these are the last days. Amen? They, in fact, they said it. These are the last days. I think we're very near the last day, which is at the end of the last days. But we're in the last days, and it means last days because they're the last. That's, that's quite deep right there. <laughs> Some of you are going to, whoa. But just Reading the newspaper, watching the television, seeing the stuff, the earthquakes, the volcanoes, the, uh, the tornadoes, the floods, the droughts, the famines, the, 
uh, it's, I don't know where, what, what your end time eschatology thing is, but it's, I, I, it struck me, I, I heard uh, what common knowledge, Israel 70 years old since uh, they became an independent state. Now that might mean something, it might mean nothing, but I feel like there's this weight of uh, evidence, and we're going to read a, a couple of texts from Scripture now just to, just to show you and highlight this thing. But I want to speak, if you're taking notes or if this is being recorded, I don't know if it is, I want to speak about becoming an ark-type church, A-R-K, an ark-type church. And it's interesting that the ark, I, I try and read the Bible through just uh, devotionally uh, every year, just kind of get from Genesis through to Revelation. And so year by year, I'm, I'm back to the beginning, back to Genesis, working my way through to the end of the, end, the New Testament. And just being back in Genesis uh, more recently, struck by the fact that the ark was uh, commissioned by God. It was a vessel, a vehicle, if you like, chosen by God to bring about his salvation and uh, from destruction. And as I began to reflect on it and read a little bit about the ark, I began to understand that it was the only vehicle or vessel that was able to withstand uh, a threefold pressure. One, from the forces from below. You know that, uh, that God broke open the, the waters from the deep. But I think spiritually and prophetically, it speaks about the, the forces of darkness. Now remember, I'm, I'm likening the ark to the church today. Jesus and the church, if you like. And so it had to withstand these threefold pressure, one from the forces from below, the darkness, two, the, the ark slash the church has to withstand the weight of God's glory from above. Water broke open from the below, and of course rain came out of, out of the earth. And then th the thirdfold pressure was just the turbulence of the sea. And that speaks to me about just the, the turbulence of life. The struggles of everyday life. How many know that there are, there are winds that are contrary to us and waves that, that break up against us very often? And I think it's true everywhere in the world that individually and at churches that you've gone, you have and other churches have gone through turbulence and stresses and pressures. And certainly there are pressures from below the, the, the demonic. And there is this desire by God that we carry the kabod, the weightiness of God. And uh, the ark was this very specific, very unique vehicle, the only type of vehicle that survived, of course, the flood. And I think there, and I'm gonna look, we're going to look at seven parallels of the ark of the old covenant to, I believe, the church of the New Testament. Okay? We're going to look at that. But I want to read from Scripture, first of all, and just look at um, the ark according to three things by, by way of introduction. So turn with me, if you would to Matthew chapter 24. It's a chunky portion of Scripture. But I, am, uh, I, love, I love the Word of God. Amen? I love the Word of God. It is God-breathed. It's anointed. This is not a dead word. This is not an encyclopedia or a, a whatever, the Reader's Digest. This is a living, active, God-breathed Word. And so there's anointing on the Word. So read the Word every day. 
Jesus said, don't live on bread alone or whatever it is. If you're on keto, don't live on zucchini alone. But on every word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 24. I want to speak three things just by way of introduction. One, how the Bible speaks eschatologically. It's a big word. It means the end times. And I do believe folks, as unpopular as it might be and as erroneous as some of the writings and teachings have been around the end time, that we have to have an eschatology. We have to have an end time focus, not excess. And that's how the church goes. It goes from nothing to everything. And I believe there's this radical middle of having a focus of the end times. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24 verse 3. As he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. I think it's an incredible question to ask. I think we should be asking the same question. They're asking, what are the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? Kind of a twofold question. And Jesus answered, says, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name. That has amazed me. Many. Not there'll be a few odd, odd bods. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. There'll be false Christs. And they will lead many astray. How is that possible? How can many come as false Christs and lead many astray? But Jesus said it would, as he's teaching on the end times. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed. For this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things but the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you up for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. We've got false Christs, many, and we've got false prophets. Both will lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Just pause for a moment. I think part of the distraction always of the enemy, you know, the enemy will take the word of God and distract you. And he's as happy with distraction as he is with disobedience. You've heard me say that before. People who get out on some weird limb of truth are as are playing into the hands of the enemy as much as those who are just absolutely disobedient to God. Because you end up being useless and leading people astray. And people get get that alignment thing we spoke about last week. And this is the key. The gospel. They asked Jesus, remember the question, what are the signs of your coming and the end of the age? And he begins to describe them, and there's a few more we're going to read about in a moment. But Jesus said, this is the deal. This is the center. This gospel of the kingdom. It's a kingdom gospel. It's the rule and the reign of Christ. Will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to every ethnos group. 
and then the end will come. That is why I am so, and Shemaine, my wife, so committed, and the people around us that we, we kind of link to and join to are so committed to taking this gospel of the kingdom to every ethnos group. It's, it's a call of God on, on our lives, not just mine. Not this, it's not a radical, wild-eyed, pith helmet into bongo bongo land kind of missionary dude. And you think, what do we do with this strange person in church? We don't really want them. Let's just send them into missions. Get them out of our hair. Make it some other nation's problem. No, no, this is for all of us. Jesus said, this is going to happen before the end will come. Whatever your eschatology is, whatever your end time teaching is, this is the kernel. Preach the gospel of the kingdom to every nation. Can I encourage you, if you're part of our community church, and I know Ben and Jess and the team here are, and, and the church is committed to the nation. We've been in the nations often together. Come with. Come and fulfill Jesus' prophecy. We are give, not only going, but we're giving, sowing financially so that others can go. Teams can go. And can I just say this too? Don't forget your neighbor. I know some people are so concerned about other nations. Let's go to Africa where all these People who don't know God are, all the demons are in Africa. And I've kept saying there's as many demons in Australia as there are in Africa. Honestly, I, I said, I've been coming here for 20 something years. I keep saying it. Last trip, we came two churches and two weekends. We had demo, demonic manifestations in Australia. I don't know if there'll be any today. But you know what Jesus said? When demons are cast out, it's, a, it's my kingdom has come. My rule has just come. The problem first world nations as opposed to the kind of, Af I'm an African, I come from Africa or India or Pakistan or, is uh, here you're just, you're drug demons. You get people so drugged that the demon can't manifest. Let's just keep this thing so sedated or le electro, electric shocks. Or any other thing. If you find, don't go looking for demons, please. But when you find them, just cast them out. By the finger of God. And then when someone said, free, said the kingdom of God has come. The rule is come, God has come. How many know people who are whack, wacko? And you don't, don't raise your hands. <laughs> who are acting kind of weird. And you try and counsel them, and you try and do stuff with them and they're going to psychiatrists and, and psychologists and they do this and that. No, a whole bunch of the time, not all of the time, but a whole bunch of the time, it's demonic. And you're trying to deal with a spiritual thing. I, was, I don't know where I was saying that. Maybe it was here. Yeah, we're here midweek on Thursday. We try and deal with spiritual issues in a natural way. And we wonder why we get so frustrated. I've got so many stories. I'm not going to go there. Verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And in those days, if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, these days will be cut short. And from the fig tree, verse 32, from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch begins becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you'll know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that, the, that he is near, he's at the very gate. 
He's near. He's at the very gate. But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the Son, of, nor the Son but the Father only. Verse 37. <clears throat> We're talking about an ark-type church. Jesus said in verse 37, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to be the same. It's the same set of circumstances. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years on, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Whereas in those days before the flood, they were eating and they were drinking, they were marrying and they were giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood. They were unaware. Noah preached for 120 years. Says he's a man of righteousness. We'll get to that in a minute. He preached for 120 years, but they were unaware until the flood came. It's the same in Noah's days as it is for Australia in these days. And so many are unaware. And I'm saying, why? Unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And two will be in a field and one will be taken and one will be left. And two women will be in a grinding at the mill and one will be taken and the other one will be left. Therefore stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. I do believe he's near. I do believe he's at the gate. And my heart breaks for every nation we have the privilege of preaching into that so many of those nations are unaware. They're unaware. That's why we need to be an archetype church. We get so consumed with ourselves. We get so consumed with our own little world. And I do know we've got lots of stuff happening in our worlds. But people, please hear what Jesus is saying. It's central is the preaching of the gospel of this kingdom to all the nations so that they are not unaware. They might not be receptive, but at least they're not unaware. At least they've heard from me. At least they've heard from our community. We've gone out, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. Number one, there's an eschatology that Jesus speaks about. Number two, there's prophecy about the end times. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3. And verse 3, know this first of all. Now Peter's prophesying. We just read what Jesus said. Peter says, know this first, that scoffers will come in the last days following their own sinful desires, and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? Oh, not another message about the end times. We've heard this before. We've read the stuff. And let's get on to something a little bit juicy, a little bit sexier. Scoffers are going to come saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. 
Jesus had just said it's going to be like Noah's day. When I come again, the earth is going to be just like Noah's day with all this sin and all this lawlessness. Now, Peter said, this is what's going to happen. Don't forget the thing you who are saying, but where is it? Yeah, I've heard this craziness again. Here's another crazy preacher talking about the end. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth now exist, are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as as one day. The Lord is not slow about fulfilling his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any Australian perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus speaking about an end time, eschatology. Peter's talking about the prophecy. Look what Paul says about a theological word called typology. Typology is just an image in the Old Testament, that has a New Testament meaning. And we, we, we say this, that the new is in the old concealed. You know, there's kind of a popular teaching going around that you don't need the Old Testament anymore. I think it's such foolishness. It's the, it's the Word of God. And the, the new is in the old concealed. It's in types, pictures, and the ark is one of them. And Jesus and, and so many of the New Testament writers keep referring back to all these Old Testament things saying, that was just a shadow, this is the reality. And, and, and it's sometimes incredibly beautifully pictured in a, in a shadow, and now the fulfillment is here, and so we can learn from both. Listen to what Paul says very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all, all, all under the cloud, and all, all our fathers passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all, all, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, all, all, don't know your Aussie say all, all. All, all, all of them ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. He has one of those types fulfilled in Jesus. The rock in the Old Testament in the Exodus was a picture of Jesus. Beautiful picture. Strike the rock and out comes living water and that's Jesus. Nevertheless, Paul says, with most of them, all of them, most of them, all of them went through this and drank this and did, most of them, with most of them, God was not pleased. And they were overthrown in the wilderness. And look what he says here, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 10. These things took place as examples for us. He has pictures, he has types, he has shadows. You keep going back to the old and you look for what is, what is, what is the example being set here? 
that we might not desire evil as they did. It was done as an example. Learn from the past. Do not be as some of them were. It is written down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality. Learn from the past. As some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Learn from the past. These things were written as examples for us. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and they were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble. Well, I don't do sexual immorality. But I grumble a whole lot. Don't grumble. As some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as examples. And they were written down for our instruction. Upon whom the end of the ages has come. This is for us. So I do believe that the word of the Lord that came to Noah, build an ark. I think it's a similar word the Lord gave to us. He said, I'll build my church, but he wants to co-labor with us in building a vehicle, a vessel, which is going to result in the salvation, we believe, of multitudes. Someone wrote this, a quote, a guy called Robert Fulgham. He said, all I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. I don't know what I learned in kindergarten. Someone else wrote this, all I need to know I learned from Noah's Ark. A couple of things. One, don't miss the boat. Right there, there's revelation for someone. We're going to get on a boat this afternoon. Don't miss the boat. Number two, remember that we were, we're all in the same boat. Number three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Peace and safety. Number four, stay fit. When you're 600 years old, someone may ask you to do something really big. Number five, don't listen to critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. Number six, build your future on high ground. Number seven, for safety, travel in pairs. Number eight, speed isn't everything. The snail was on board with the cheetahs. Number nine, when you're stressed, float a while. Number 10, remember the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic by professionals. And number 11, please don't make these the only things you remember this morning, okay? <laughs> and number 11, no matter the storm, when you're with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Seven quick things. Parallels. I'm going to be really quick. I want to look at the seven similarities between the ark and, uh, and I believe the church of Jesus. Number one, they're similar times and circumstances. It's wickedness. As in the days of Noah, Genesis 6 and verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil 
continually. Doesn't that kind of sound like today? Watch the news. And the Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth. It grieved him in his heart. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah. So it is in the church today. As were the days of Noah. Number two, similar warnings of sudden destruction. As in the days of Noah, Genesis 6 and verse 12, God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt and all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them in the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. As in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 1. Brothers and sisters, about times we do not need to talk to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. Number three, the similar Savior, or same Savior, Jesus. Note that there was only one ark in the days of Noah. There weren't multiple choices. You know, go to pier one, two, three, or four. Make sure you've got your, your birth or your, your, uh, your cabin pre, pre-selected. There was one ark. There's only one Savior. Peter talks about it in 1 Peter chapter 3. So will it be in the church age. In Acts 16, verse 30, a Philippian jailer comes to, the, to Paul and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. You and your household. Number four, similar salvation. I'm rushing through these because I do know time is done almost. Similar salvation. As in the days of Noah, Genesis 6, 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make the rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And that Hebrew word for pitch is a word kafar, which means to cover. And 70 times in Scripture, that same word is means to make atonement. Remember we talked about types and shadows. Everyone had to come into the ark. Whose, these rooms were covered with pitch. They were, you had to come under and the, the atonement. And of course, the atonement means the removal of sin in order to restore relationship with God. There was something called the Day of Atonement that all Israelites had to go through. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 32, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, are atoned for. It's the same in the church today. We have to come under His atoning blood, under His salvation. Number five, 
fits similar situation is that there were there'll be similar preachers or called to be preachers and leaders. I said already that Noah, I've jokingly said this about Noah, he is probably the most unsuccessful preacher on the planet. He preached for 120 years and no one got saved. What's your uh, ministry gift, Noah? I think I'm an evangelist. Well, let's go. Let me just look over your shoulder. 120 years, dear me. I've been in ministry for 40 If I didn't have any converts, I'd be complaining. But the Bible says about Noah that he was a man who preached righteousness. 2 Peter 2 and verse 5. The herald of righteousness he's described. He was a man of obedience, Genesis 7 verse 5. He did all that the Lord called him to do. He was a man of fear and of faith. Hebrews 11, 7, by faith Noah, being warned of things to come, in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. He was a man of worship, he sacrificed. He was a man of vision. This is amazing. He is recommissioned in Genesis 9. God blessed Noah and his sons and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He was uncompromising in a generation of people who were anti-God, anti-God's laws, anti-God's ways. It says in Genesis 6, 6, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him in his heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. In a, not just generation, in, a, in the world. He was uncompromising. He was a man of covenant. And he's this, how's this? He's a man who led his family well. Go into the ark, Genesis 7, 1, you and your household. He's in the Hebrews 11 hall of faith, the hall of fame, not because of his successful preaching. He led his family. All were in the ark. So it is today. God is calling for preachers who not just preach the truth, but model it. We talked a bit about that in last uh, two two to go. Are you with me? Similar design. God is very specific when he gave instruction and still is today. He's very specific around design. As in the days of Noah, this is how you're to make the, the, the ark. Remember, Noah had no grid for this. He wasn't copying his church on someone else's church pattern. God said, make the, uh, the, the ark 30 cubits uh, long and its breadth 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. And I've got all what these dimensions mean. It is massive. It needed 120 years to build this thing. 100,000 square feet of floor space. It was by God's design. It needed a door, make a, a, a roof from the ark and finish it with a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its place. What's interesting about the door, and I'll, I'll finish with this as well, is that God shut the door. God shut Noah in 
and effectively shut everybody out. It had three decks, lower, second, and third deck, and it had a, a display, a window. So it is in the church today. We have a very clear design that God has called us to. Hebrews talks about building according to the pattern. We still have a door. His name is Jesus. I am the door, John 10 and verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Same language as the ark. It has decks, three decks. I think that speaks wonderfully of the Trinity. And it has a, a display. We had to lift, lift our heads up. You know, the, the roof was in the ark. I mean, the, the, the window was in the, the roof of the ark. The only way they could look out was look up. It's the same today. And I close with this. Very, same builders. Bible describes God as the architect and builder. And Noah, with his family, I presume, and maybe some others. Maybe Noah had a hand by some other people. Let's, let's help this poor, crazy man. So it is in the church today. God is the architect and builder, and he uses all kinds of different building gifts. Why don't you please stand? Three challenges with you as we close out the meeting today. To you individually and also as a church. I really did feel that this is from the Lord to you. Why don't you bow your heads, please? Father, I know this is not a popular subject in the world. It seems really popular with the writers of the scriptures. I really pray, Lord, more than just a message, just a, a bunch of things thrown together, a couple, bunch of points put together. Lord, I do pray today that we would prophetically hear from your heart through the word. And these three challenges, Lord, I do pray that we would take them to heart, that we would ground them first in my life before we look at others and certainly as a community. The number one, what the Lord challenge me and pass it on to you, are you an ark type church built upon the pattern of God's word where people can find safety and salvation is our community a safe place I'm sure I've told you stories I have many about uh, people from other faith particularly in the world I live in the Muslim world And I've been astounded, and as I've been 
researching this again, I'm, I'm astounded how that God sends people who are searching to us. He knows where you live. Paul ended up with Ananias on Straight Street. Go to Straight Street. There, you'll be told what to do by one of my kids, one of my boys. Are you an archetype church? Where God knows the, the millions and millions and millions of people out here who are unaware. I can send them here. Because they're going to hear the truth. They're going to hear my gospel. They're going to hear the way of salvation. That there is a door that is at the moment open. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Are you an archetype church? Number one. Number two, are you a preacher? Of righteousness. No matter what the response is. I have preached to hundreds and, and hundreds and thousands of people. Many of whom slammed the door in my face. Spat at me. Rebuked me. Swore at me. The servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. Are you a safe house? Now, are you a preacher of righteousness? I'm going to pray in a moment for supernatural boldness on this church. Because it's not about your reputation in this community. It's about representing him well. Go into the highways, go into the hedges, go into the lanes, go into the parks, go into the beaches, the beachfront, and compel them to come in to the ark. Because the door at the moment is open. And his name is Jesus. And he's made a way, but he's the only way. And this is the only ark. This is the only way of salvation. I feel like God really challenged me when I pass it on to you folks to deal with complacency, for there to be an urgency, not a, not a driving, but an urgency that if there's one thing from this morning that I, I, I want to change one thing about the way I live my life, to become more like a Noah preacher of righteousness. There's one thing. There may be more, but I, I want to change one thing. What is the one thing I need to change so that I become a preacher of righteousness? Unafraid, unashamed in this evil and adulterous generation. I'm going to pray in a moment. My last challenge is this.
Are you in the ark? Do you know that you are safe in the arms of Jesus? Someone asked Jesus, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, make every effort through repentance and faith. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and they will not be able to because once the owner of the house gets up and he closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. So open the door for us and he will say, I don't know you or where you come from. I'm going to pray for boldness in a second, but I want to first pray for this. I don't know all of you, but I do feel like I carry this urgent message from our Savior and our King and our Lord. That there is an ark. There is his bride, his church, that has a very specific, very singular entrance. It's a door and he's called Jesus. And you don't come into the door and you don't come into his ark, into his salvation, because you're a, you've got Christian parents, a Christian family, a Christian bunch of ethics or beliefs. I'm not a Muslim or Buddhist, so I'm a Christian. You have to come through the door. The way has been made, made open. The atonement has been paid for by Jesus. But salvation means this. To as many as received him. To believing is one thing, but receiving is applying his salvation that has been made for us. That's what salvation means. To as many as received him. And I want to pray for you. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what will be the sign of the end of the age and of your coming? Jesus is, I believe, is, he's screaming from heaven at creation. Look at the signs. He's near. He's at the gate. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you know that you've been born again from above, that you have come through the door yourself because of faith by his grace. I want to give you an opportunity today. I know that I know that I know that I'm safe in his ark. That I'm in his hands, in his, through his salvation. I know that I know. If we heard a trumpet blast right now, if the return of Jesus happened in the next second, I know I would be saved because of his grace and his love. 
But if you don't know that, I want you to receive him as your Lord and your Savior. And through prayer of, of invitation, he's already paid the price. He's already made the way. He is the way. But if you don't know, or maybe you're not even sure, would you pray this prayer with me to him, with all of your heart? Not to me, to him. If Father, I want to thank you for Jesus this morning. I do believe that he is the way, the only way, the only ark. He's the truth and he is the life. I do believe that he died on a cross for me. My sin was put on him and it was dealt with, it was judged. I should have been there. But he took my place. And I acknowledge that this morning. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. And, and I choose to make you my Lord and Savior. I choose to get off the throne of my life and make you, Jesus Christ, my Lord. You come and be the captain of the ship. You come and take hold of the steering wheel. You come and take hold of the reins. I get off the, the throne so you can get on and be Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I do believe you're coming again. Maybe we'll be here when you return. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for welcoming me into your ark, into your salvation. Thank you, Father. If you prayed that prayer, I'd, I'd love you to come and just tell me. More especially come and speak to Ben and Jess and some of the leaders here. I believe I crossed that line of faith. I made Jesus Lord and Savior. And I want to close with this prayer. That's okay. On. Ben. I want to pray for some Noah preachers. I'm going to pray for it. Uh, you know, the Bible says this. That the wicked run when no one is chasing, but the righteous are as bold as lions. And I, I'm from Africa. I've seen lions. They are absolutely unintimidated by anything. Elephants, rhinoceroses, four by fours, unintimidated. And I look at Christians and I just see people trembling, intimidated by the press, intimidated by governments, Intended by, uh, uh, intimidated by, by atheists, intimidated by other religions. And we need some knowers in Australia, preachers of righteousness, who will go into the highways, right around here and the byways, my neighbors. And I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to ask the Lord to show you one thing. One thing, one, one alignment, one adjustment in my life, just one thing. I'm going to be different by the grace of God and by the power of God when I leave this place. One thing. So I'm going to pray. And let me, I, I want to lay hands on you. Is that okay? 
If you want to be a preacher of righteousness and you say, Mike, I'm, I'm needing supernatural boldness. Supernatural boldness. I'm not an evangelist, but I do the work of an evangelist. But we are serious about seeing Australians born again. And God, I don't want to be hiding in my place. I don't want to be hiding in the four walls of a church. I want to be a preacher of righteousness. And I'm going to witness not just with my words, but by my lifestyle. And I love the story we heard earlier about someone who just comes and says, do, do you know that God loves you? That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Australia, do you know that Jesus Christ loves you? And they may reject you and they may curse you. Go and tell them about the love of God, that there is a way that's still open. Today is the day of salvation. If that's you, I want to, could, would, would you quickly come forward, please? I want to pray for supernatural release of boldness. That we want, we want some lions here. I was just reminded about the story with the three, with Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were required to bow the knee and just the, all they did, all they did was stand out. And I feel today that there are people here that God is saying to you, just stand out. Stand up and stand out. They were recognized just because they refused to bow the knee, to compromise. And I, be, I really just feel God is saying, stand out. Stand out. You will be recognized by just standing out. Well done. But I'm going to pray a real dangerous prayer. Are you ready? So, so God's going to put right in your face someone. Someone. And there's going to be a moment where in your natural flesh, I always cry when I tell the story. But when I first arrived in Dubai, I... I I didn't know the Muslim faith. I didn't know the Muslim community. I had no visions and dreams about Muslims. But I pulled up to a traffic signal. And I was sitting in my car, the air conditioning beautifully blowing on my face. It was really hot, like it always is there. And I was sitting there, I was praying the Spirit as is my kind of nat my way. And I looked across to the vehicle next to me, and there was an Arab man. With a, with a dish dash on, beard, old, older man. And I looked at him and I felt the Lord say, this man doesn't know his right hand from his left hand. That's what Jonah heard when he was sitting looking over Nineveh. And we went up at the lighthouse at Byron yesterday. And may that be our revelation that, that there's so many who don't know their left hand from their right hand. They can be geniuses and millionaires or paupers, they don't know their left hand from their right hand. That's what God sees. They don't know. They don't know. But there's an ark. There's a door. And Father, I want to pray for this community. We don't come become these wacko end time weirdos. But there is an urgency, Lord. I want my house to be full. You've done what you've said, but 
there's more, there's still space. Today, there's still space around his table. And the Australians today who are saying, God, if you're out there, if you're real, would you, would you show me? Would you tell me? And we got this message. We've got this treasure in earthen vessels. And all you need to do is sometimes just smile at someone. Carry the fragrance of Christ. Just be kind, be generous, be loving. God might give you a prophetic word. Might be a bag of groceries. Just go and, might be a $5. Just go and bless that person. Tell them that Jesus loves him. They don't know their left hand from their right hand. Father, here stands before me a community of people. And you said that the righteous are as bold as lions. And Lord, we're not looking to be popular. It's nice when people do like us. But we're not here to be popular this morning. We're really here to serve you. And you've given us a word for this generation. And we are responsible for this generation of Australians. We are. And there may be some evangelists amongst us here, but Lord, we're all called to go and love people into the kingdom. Tell them about me. You know, during worship this morning, I, I uh, tears just welled up in my eyes as we're singing so beautifully about our glorious king, that inside of us lives the great I am. And I read yesterday that I think it was the Pope who, who uh, excused hundreds and hundreds of priests who've been pedophiles. And I kind of felt Jesus said, this is not what my church should look like. This is not my ark. My ark, my church is to be a place of safety where people will run. They'll run here. And so, Lord, I, I, I'm going to quickly lay hands on, but I'm asking you to do something supernatural in people's hearts. I can't, I can't break their hearts for the lost Australians around them and, and other, other nationalities. But you can. And whatever else our community becomes, Lord, I pray that it becomes an ark type church. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. Would you just break our hearts for the lost, Lord? I want to be a preacher of righteousness. I want to preach in the fear of the Lord. I will not be intimidated. I thank you for supernatural boldness, like a lion, like a lion. The righteous are as bold as lions. And I pray in Jesus' name for a supernatural release of your boldness, Father, that we would love deeply enough to go that we would compel, we'd go into the highways and we'd go into the byways. 
And we would compel people to come in. Come and meet this king who died for you and loves you. Come and meet him. I met him. He's more beautiful than you know. Come and see him. Come and hear him. Please. Please. Father, would you bring words of knowledge and words of wisdom, prophetic utterances to come in the name of Jesus, that we would discern and know people, the most unlovely people that you love. That, God, we would be stirred. We would be stirred in righteousness. The fear of God and the love of God would so compel us, so compel us, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Heralds of righteousness. Heralds of righteousness. Unintimidated, Father, I pray. An army, an army of saints, God, who go, go, go in Jesus' name. Who am I? Who am I? You're somebody that Jesus commissions. So, Father, I pray right now, supernatural boldness, supernatural boldness to stand. I feel like God is calling someone to pray, to, to pray, to stand in the gap, like this intercession, this prayer of intercession. Praying, 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 praying for the hardness of this generation, praying for a, teach, a teach, teachable spirit in this generation. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let your fire come on your church like those Foxes that Samson set alight who will run through the fields with the fire of God, fire of God burning, igniting, igniting, igniting. God is calling you to be a church of fire starters and fire lighters. I tell you what, I tell you, it's the devil who is intimidated. The demons believe and they tremble. They tremble. You stand for righteousness. And the enemy has lied too long to the Australian people. And God is calling you to rise up and to declare and to, and to decree, to preach and to pray, to intercede and to worship and to stand shoulder to shoulder and to put aside the differences and stand arm in arm to be this army that God has called up, an army of righteousness, preaching a word and a message of righteousness, unintimidated, Father, I thank you today for a church that is unintimidated. Whatever it looks like, it's not being weird. It's just being Jesus' lovers. That the love of God explodes on the inside and runs over. That God, the shadows of your glory heal people. Your glory. The overflow of the power and the majesty of God. Father, I want to thank you today for that in the name of Jesus. Supernatural boldness, supernatural wisdom, supernatural grace. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Heralds for righteousness. 
heralds of righteousness. And we will go for the sake of the cross. And we will go for the sake of the lost. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Send us, Lord. Send us, Lord.